Welcome everyone to the uh, first pilot introductory episode of Whiskey and Wasted Words. Um, my name is Alex Nader. I write under the name Alexander Nader. Uh, I've got a few novels out there of varying degrees of ah, not badish. Um, my co-host is Christopher Smith. You can find yep, him. Yeah, go ahead. I'm I'm here and uh, Alex. I had no idea the introduction was going to be this fancy. I I've written some words and they're all right. I've, I got some stuff out there. <laughs> I've read the words. You can find him. Uh, his he writes under Jariah Wood uh, and yep. uh, Dick Junk. <clears throat> is that what the what's the uh, Richard Junk? It is yeah. His parents named him Richard. Okay. And, uh, it's significantly classier than Dick, I suppose. <laughs> For those right. purposes. And uh, we call it Whiskey and Wasted Words, where we will usually be drinking whiskey. But I am actually at work right now, so I am drinking uh, 32 ounces of Sevier County's finest water. Uh, likewise, I'm on water. It's about a little past 2.30 here. We had friends over tonight, and... Uh, I had a buddy who has never had whiskey before, so I pulled out what I had so he could try some samples. So while he was doing quarter shots, I for some reason <laughs> felt like I had to do full shots, and we blasted through some moonshine, some uh, some honey whiskey, and some fire whiskey pretty wow. quick. And I am on water now, and water and ibuprofen so that tomorrow's not <laughs> as bad. So, never had whiskey. Like, has he never drank, or is he just like a vodka guy or something? Um, he doesn't drink very often. Okay. So, and we just played some rock band, and uh, and uh, he he was it helped him sing. So that Whis- was fun. Whiskey's very good with that. I, I think there's a there's a country song about that. I think. <laughs> um, yeah, I I wouldn't really know. <laughs> But we'll, we'll get to some music later, I think. That is, it's coming up. Yep, peeking at the the program here. That's right, so, folks. We have a program guide. We're that that on on the ball. <laughs> actually, I think we're just that nervous about messing this up. It's true. Oh I, wait, I wasn't supposed to read that line, was I? <laughs> Which line? Oh, uh, all right. Anyway, <clears throat> all right. We so, do have a. We've got a first uh, question to uh, open the episode here. Um, This question comes from Evie Jacob on Twitter, and she wants to know where we buried the treasure. Why don't you start, Alex? Where did you bury the treasure? Man, I... Where did I bury the treasure? That's... I should have thought about this answer before I uh, even started. I, uh... I buried it under in the backyard uh, under all the bodies. You know, I, ha- I had to push all the bodies, all the bones to the side. You know, and they they make good treasure cover. I think. All right, all right. So where did I bury the treasure? It's. Let me start. Let me preface this by saying that I'm going to use the second person, not in the personal sense, but in the broader, more um, societal type. Uh, wide area, you know, the masses of people in general. So uh, where did I bury the treasure? I buried it up your butt, perhaps around the corner. That's that's about it. I don't really remember how that goes, but anyway, there's your your treasure. You can extract it yourself. 
<laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, um, <clears throat> after that awesome introduction, now that we know where the treasure is, the fun part about doing a whiskey and wasted words, I mean, this is, Alex writes, I write, it's something that we, I mean, we both work, we both have families, writing is something that we try and slip in whenever we have time, um, I, if Alex wasn't working on a podcast right now, I think, didn't you take this job so that you would have downtime at night to write? Yes, I mean, yeah, actually, I work overnight, uh, three nights a week now, I was doing five, and that kind of sucked, so I've worked it down to three. Uh, and I have lots of downtime to uh, sit here and, and talk to Chris. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, it's it, writing is just what we do, and that's what kind of brought this together. That's what started this podcast. It's I'm, There are a lot of people, I think, a lot of writers who, rightly so, don't like to call it a hobby because it is work. It, I mean, it, it's work to write anything of substance. It's work to get to a point where the level of quality is something that is enjoyable to read and looks professional. Um, it's, But it's what we do here. So this is what kind of just made us want to do this podcast, was uh, just talk about the words, talk about the process, talk about what we're working on. And the main thing is, because of our schedules, I think it's safe to say for both of us, if it wasn't fun, we wouldn't be doing it. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's, you know, I guess any... Any advice for writing, I think, stems from have fucking fun, or you're going to be miserable. Uh, it's too much work to not have fun, and it's it's probably best for your brain to just assume that you're never going to make any money and no one's ever going to have heard of you, um, so you can appreciate the few that have. <laughs> yeah... So that's the, that's what we we're going to talk about is essentially why we are totally unqualified to give writing advice, and it starts at that basis. It, there are a lot of people out there who can, you know, a lot of blogs, a lot of people who have made it or are on the path to making it, and they are you know, dole out advice like crazy about what to do to market yourself, what to do to, you know, to get your projects done and everything, and. Sometimes I feel like I'm in it for the completely wrong reason because if it's not fun, I don't want to do it. So why we are completely unqualified to give writing advice, I think part of it might be the uh, just the whole the whole target, why we're doing it. I, I know for me it's why I'm doing it. I'm completely that's one one main reason why I'm completely unqualified to give anyone writing advice. I'm, a, I'm completely unqualified because I dropped out of high school. Yeah, I'm not very smart. Um, <laughs> if y'all are looking for some really, like, scholarly writing advice, please tune into a different podcast. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there you go. There you go. So, oh, let's see. I've got another really good reason why I am unqualified to give writing advice, and that is the way my mind works there are people in this world who are gifted at looking at a process and breaking it down to its component parts and noticing the subtleties of every step along the way. I am not that person. I panic anytime someone asks me for writing advice and they say, "How do you, you know, how do you do this with a plot or how do you do this with pacing or I panic cuz I do everything by instinct, I do everything by feel. I'll simply write something and I'll 
look at it and I'll think, you know what? That feels off. It needs to be adjusted here. And how do you I mean, how do you quantify that? How do you tell someone, well, you know, if you write it and you think it sucks, you should probably rewrite it. Like that's my writing method. <laughs> so, yeah, I'm totally unqualified to give anyone advice for that reason alone. I I can't scientifically put to practice anything that I do when it comes to writing. Well, you were actually, when we were talking a while back, uh, you were telling me about some writing method, right, that uh, the guy had said you spend so many words on this part of the plot, right? Okay, yeah, so so there are, uh, that specifically, that was, there's a webpage, the Lester Dent, oh, I should try and find it, if only I had the internet handy. It's like the Lester Dent writing method, and I want to say he wrote Doc Savage. That might be it. Let me see if I can find it here. Actually, it's going to take me too long, but I'm googling it but right yeah, now. Yeah, <laughs> it was it was essentially a breakdown, just a, a guide and a breakdown to writing a pulp story. He had this formula that he would use. It he said that it he never failed to write a story, and it was you know the first fifteen hundred words. You want to make sure you do this, this, and this. You want to introduce these characters. And the goal with the first 1,500 is to do X. And then he moved on to the second 1,500. He, he broke it into four 1,500-word sections, so the story would end up being around 6,000 words. And it was it's very formulaic. I've tried it. It's worked for me in outline form, although I've never actually completed a story using it. I have outlined a few stories that... I just haven't gotten to yet, or I needed to write, and you know, I, I had had one. I used that method to outline a story for an anthology, and the anthology fell through, so I just never wrote the story. I wasn't that married to the story, apparently. But <laughs> so yeah, I mean, there there are methods that you know work for people, and they can they can quantify that. I I wish I could, but I've got nothing when it comes to my methods. It it varies by story. I really go by feel. Sometimes I feel like I need, like in that case, I felt like I needed an outline. So I wrote one, got into Scrivener, kind of used that as a guide, made a whole bunch of note cards, various sections, etc. And then I've done a couple short stories in the last week and a half that I started with a prompt, let them bang around in my head for a day or two, got an idea, sat down, and just wrote them. Just... I mean, they're shorter, but no outline needed, no anything, and eh, one of the three came out decent. I wasn't too happy with the other ones, but <laughs> it is what it is. Swing and a miss on a couple, it happens. Now, uh, just to, I guess, throw it out there for everyone, I tend to write novels more and do short stories kind of for fun, and I'll throw in an occasional comic book script. And then, Chris, uh, what, what do you write mostly? I'm almost exclusively short stories. I have some novels that I have written, and they're just kind of sitting in my archive. They, honestly, I don't even t- I don't even consider them as needing to be edited anymore. I need to rewrite them. They were early on. I, I just like the short story format. I don't have a great memory, and it the the farther I get, if I get beyond about fifteen thousand words, I start panicking about forgetting the details of my own story the earlier details and consistencies and plot holes. So my sweet spot tends to be, I guess it really varies by story, but I want to say around 8,000 words, 
between eight and ten thousand words seems to be where I generally can uh, do my best work. Yes. And comic scripts as well. I, I, I've done a couple comic scripts whenever I have a willing artist. Which is amazingly hard to find because apparently illustrators like to get paid. And <laughs> I know, I know. And uh, yeah, when you do find an, an artist who wants to work on something, you treat them like gold. That's my. There's my writing tip that I feel like I am qualified to, to give. If you're a writer and you want to do comic books and you find a pencil or ink or color guy who wants to do a script with you, you treat them well. Especially if they're doing it for free, you just treat them really, really well. Because <laughs> I won't discount what the writer does because I know what it's like to put a good story together. Anybody can put words together. It's not as easy to put a good story together. So I'm not going to discount what we do, but I have watched artists put these books together and the time and the effort that they have to put into those illustrations and those sequential pages, it's, I mean, it really is an art form. So appreciate them. Absolutely. And uh, you want to shout out, who's you? you got a go-to guy in your art, right? Um, well, I've, I've got a couple that I've worked with. I've got a couple that I've worked with. I think we could both give a shout-out to Victor right now because... He, I've done a lot of work with Victor. He's done a lot of pages for me, um, or you could you could almost say I've done some writing for him. He, <laughs> he he wanted to do some. He you know he he approached me too about doing a book, which is cool. It's always uh, always nice to have an artist say, "Hey, work with me." It's it's nice and uh, right. do a lot of work. Um, well, I have some you know some upcoming projects that I'm pretty excited about with Eric Roman. And you can find him on Twitter, too. Maybe we can put that in the notes. But he does uh, really, really great, like a very natural style. And uh, pencils, it's... I, I love his style. It's really good. And uh, and then every now and again, anybody who follows us on Twitter is going to know of Del Dracula. And he he's so prolific with his art. He posts stuff up every now and again. I just shoot him a message, and I... Uh, Say, hey, you posted this picture. Can I hijack it and do a story to it or do something with it? And he's always been really good to me and let me do it. So I've actually... We'll see how this goes, but I'm working on a uh, kind of dark-themed poem off a story that he... Or a, uh, a picture that he posted. So I got about a third of it done, and it's coming along better than I thought it would, so hopefully it doesn't fall flat. I'm hoping to have out that out in the next couple of weeks, so that should be fun. I don't know that I could do poetry. I, I don't think, like, I think for me, every, li- every line would have to rhyme perfectly, and I don't think that's how it's supposed to be. Thankfully, rhyming is kind of like, it feels like rules, and every now and again, I'm willing to break the rules. It's I don't, I don't find it too restrictive. If you go into it, at least my, my philosophy is I'm going into it saying I'm not a poet, so I'm probably going to screw this up, so I may as well have fun with it. And it's been fun so far. That's a, that's pretty much my whole writing motto, honestly, whatever I'm writing. <laughs> I don't know how to do it, and I'm probably going to screw it up. So you know what? That's another perfect example of why we are totally unqualified to give writing advice. <laughs> that was said, that We probably said that before we started this podcast. Is, oh, we're probably going to screw it up, so let's just uh, hit record. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually... It may be in the blooper reel. <laughs> maybe maybe that was verbatim. Okay, so... so uh, 
I think we're going to take a moment, we're going to hear a word from our sponsors, and then we're going to come back and we're going to talk about uh, talk about some music. So, uh, here goes. You know what really gets my goad? A dull blade. With demons on the loose, a pointy object is a must. That's why I always make sure to carry Ty Burden's signature Decapitator 4 million. The Decapitator 4 million is guaranteed to stay sharp for over 600 decapitations and has even been dipped in a 40 year old scotch to fortify the blade. 20 inches of steel tempered in the fiery pits of a machine shop in downtown Knoxville by a guy named Steve, the Decapitator 4 million is exactly the tool every hunter needs in his arsenal. Got an angry Tengu coming your way? Decapitator 4 million. Suave Belfagor trying to charm a girlfriend? Decapitator 4 million. Full bottle of scotch? Call Ty Burden. The Decapitator 4 million can be yours for a one-time payment of $1,024.62, plus shipping and handling. But if you order today, we'll throw in a special trench coat sheath, perfect for hiding your razor-sharp weapon in a 50-year outdated piece of clothing. And we now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Alright, and we're back. Uh, after that lovely word about the, the Thai Burden Blades, uh, you guys should, you know, look that up in... A Beast of Burden novel. That's a Burden with an eye. Uh, the guy who wrote that is, uh, he's hilarious. <laughs> That's what I've heard. I've actually read the books and thoroughly enjoyed them. So, highly recommend them. Uh, so after, you know, the, the shameless self-promoing, um, we're going to move on to something that I I use a lot, is uh, music and writing. Um I almost always have music going while I'm writing. Uh, what about you, Chris? Always. It's <clears throat> it's almost a crutch for me because I'm bas- I- I'm to a point where the one or two times in the last year or two that I have set time aside to write and I've gone... I, I do my best writing either at the library or at coffee shops just because something about getting out and getting into that zone where even my atmosphere is focused on writing. It makes it so much easier to get in the flow. But the one or two times when I've gotten to the coffee shop, gotten to the library, and I sit down, I I boot the computer up, I'm ready to go, and I realize I don't have my headphones, it just about cripples me. I, I have to go turn around and go home. I've always struggled with focus, and music does two things for me. It when I write anyway, it does two things for me. The first thing it does is it drowns out things that will distract me. My, I, if I hear someone talking behind me, my mind jumps from whatever I'm thinking about to are they talking to me, what are they saying, things like that. And it's just really breaks my flow, it breaks my train of thought. So I really rely on music to kind of put me into that zone of tuning everything out and being able to get into the words and get into the story and get into that flow where, where everything's just kind of moving. Right. So, yeah, do I listen to music and do I need it? Definitely. That's probably too much. I know <laughs> it's not good to have a crutch, but I do, and, and it is music for me. Yeah, no, same here. Uh, I definitely... The, the weirdest thing for music for me is I almost always have to have instrumental music um because if i'm playing music i know i i sing the words to the songs in my head and find those words like drifting into my writing 
And I'm like, wait, no, that that doesn't go there. And have to start deleting and backspacing. So I don't really have that problem, but I think it's because of how I hear music. A lot of times, for me, I can listen to a song, you know, once a day for a year and suddenly have a revelation and realize what they're singing about. Something about the way my brain interprets music, a lot of times I have to really focus on the lyrics to understand what they're saying because if I don't, the words to the song really just come through, the vocals just come through as another instrument. I I hear the sounds, but there's not a lot of meaning attached to them. So I don't really have any trouble listening to, to music that has words, although for certain types of stories and for certain type types of atmosphere the music that i listen to will be more instrumental than vocal yeah i uh, the only time i really i'm not i'm not a huge metalhead but the only time that i listen to metal generally is while i'm writing uh, pretty much for the same i guess it's, you know long same reason is that i have no idea what in the hell they're saying <laughs> Yeah, you know, I, I hear some, you know, probably some sacrilegious growls, and that's about it. And that's that's all I need. <laughs> well, I didn't realize you weren't a metalhead, so I guess this concludes our first podcast and all of them. <laughs> no, no, I mean no. that's. I won't judge you. I do listen to it. It's just not my go-to, you know. Right. Uh, let's see. So when you're when you're listening, do you does the scene dictate what music you listen to, or does the music dictate the scene? Um, it can go a little bit of both. A lot of times, if I know the type of scene that I need to get into, what I'll do is I'll try and find music or a playlist that matches the atmosphere of the scene that I'm about to write. And so in that respect, sometimes it's going to differ by the scene, right? So if I know that I'm writing a, uh, a harsher scene, like a, a lot of action, maybe you know fighting, combat, something like that, I'm going to think about the pacing of the scene, and I'm going to try and find music or a playlist that is going to be a little faster, a little more upbeat, um, something that I feel like the, the tone and the rhythm is going to match the the pacing of the story. On the other hand, there are times when there are times when I sit down to write and I know I have to write a certain type of scene and I'm not feeling it. And like I say like I said before, for me writing is about feeling. So if I sit down and you know, I've had a bad day at work and I sit down and the next scene I know I have to write out is something um, like we'll just say for for example, like a, rom- a more romantic scene where I want it to be softer. I want it to be a little more sensitive. And, you know, I just had a bad day at work. I got, you know, dealt with terrible traffic on the drive home, everything else. So I sit down and I'm angry. Right. I don't really want to write that scene while I'm in that state of mind, that, that angry, that agitated state of mind. So what I'll do sometimes is I'll just take 10, 15 minutes put on the soundtrack that I need that you know what some softer music something like that and just think about that scene over and over and different details of it while I'm listening to that music and I can use that music to change my mood and put me into the right frame of mind for the scene that I want to write for the scene you know so I can kind of pull the right kind of feelings out instead of fighting how I'm feeling while I'm trying to write you know 
putting the words down that I mean you know you can put words down that mean one thing but I don't know for me if I'm feeling something else I think it comes through and it makes the scene weaker it makes the story weaker and uh, so how, how about you I mean do you do you go definitely one way or the other I mean do you do you pick the playlist first do you pick the scene first I mean, how do you how do you use music? Because you said you listen to it a lot while you write. So, yeah. how do you make it work for you? Uh, you know, for me, it's uh, whatever I'm feeling when I sit down. You know, I've I've got one playlist. Uh, actually, I found the other day I had an old playlist called Creepy Shit that I I remember putting together to write a story, <laughs> but I don't even know what story it was now. Um, but um, I've got one that's all uh, like. Uh, piano covers of songs that I know like it's uh, uh, you know, Red Hot Chili Peppers covers on piano and uh, there's another series that does, it's a, like a banjo bluegrass series called Pickin' On it'll be like, you know, Pickin' On the Red Hot Chili Peppers and it's just instrumental bluegrass sure. so I've got one playlist that's all that I've got one playlist that's all metal and then uh, there's a I don't even know what you call it uh, electric, electronic, I don't know, it's called Pretty Lights is the name of the band Mm-hmm. And uh, they have a CD that I really like, so I'll pick one of those three depending on the mood when I start. And eventually, I'll end up so far into the story that the music is just kind of muting everything else for me. But then sometimes, you know, it'll I'll be writing something and I'll hear the music and I'm like, no, wait, this this doesn't fit. You know, it's 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 not putting me in the right spot. So then I'll have to go in and and change it, but. You know, I, I, I get sucked into my own stories, you know, especially with a, you know, with a longer story, by the time you get to the end, you know, when you, when you're reading a book, when you get to the climax, you want to keep flipping pages. For me as a writer, writing is like that too. When I get to the climax, I don't exactly know how it's going to play out. So I start like trying to write faster so I can see what's going to happen in my own story. And, you know, by the time I get to that point, then pretty much everything else is out the window and it's just me and the words. Hold on, I'm counting playlists. Because you said you have three playlists that you go to? Uh, yeah, three go-to playlists. I just did a rough count. I've probably got, oh, I don't know, like 60-some. <laughs> wow. Yeah. And I mean, some of them, yeah, I'm not going to all of them. Some of them are full albums and that type of thing. But I definitely have different playlists for a lot for different moods, a lot for different atmospheres. And I've got ones that I definitely hit you know well, more feel, than others, but I feel kind of inadequate now. My three playlists just they don't sound like anything anymore. I I wouldn't be too worried about it. How about let me flip it around. You have mastered the art of the playlist. You only need 3. <laughs> I flail out here with my 60 plus playlists, but I do use probably at least 30 of them just flipping through here. I mean, there's there's a lot there, but there, there's subtlety to the moods, you know, and there are certain ones, and there are certain playlists that, even though they, they might have 20 songs on them, I know I always start at song number 7 and move through from there, that type of thing. Or at least most of the time I will, so yeah, I don't know, it's <laughs> wow, I have too many, pl- I need to clean my playlists. I like that. I'm on your Spotify right now. I'm snooping through your playlists. Yeah. And I like that you have one called... Shit, I just lost it. All the bands that I confuse. 
And judging by album hey, covers well, here, I've got Drowning Pool, Disturbed, and System of a Down. Oh, all the bands I confuse? Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. I, I'm, a, that's a, I'm about to go listen to it, I think. That might be when we hang up here. That's... <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a good one. That's one that I'll I'll start straight through unless if I need um, if I'm getting into a story that is going to be harder, it's going to be darker, and it's going to start slow. I'll start at the beginning of this playlist just to like give you an example of how I use you know use a playlist. But if I'm starting hard or if I'm already in a story and I'm kind of picking up where I left off and I'll use this one actually this one's a good one for uh, for writing horror for me if I'm already if it's a story that I've already started and I'm getting back into it the closer I am to the to the climax of the story see that chunk in the middle where it's uh, disturbed in children of Bodom mm-hmm. start start with Bodom after midnight and just roll from there and that that will take me right through the demon bursting out of someone's <laughs> chest and making everyone lives everyone's lives hell. I mean that's that's where I start. So when I was talking you know about starting playlists in different spots, but you know if I'm if I'm beginning at a different you know if I'm just starting a story and I want it to start slow um kind of like a I've been reading a lot of MR James lately, ghost stories, and he has a tendency to start really slow and slowly build the terror if if I'm writing a story like that this playlist is built to start that way and kind of build up so yeah that's a good one you picked you picked a fun one to play with <laughs> I think my favorite thing if I start creepy is uh I don't, I don't even know what it is it's an old uh uh violin piece or something it's called a uh, dance macabre and uh, it just starts out with this really creepy violin thing, and it kind of carries into this, you know, bigger symphony type deal. I guess I- I'm terrible at describing classical music. This is not my specialty at all. It's just something I I actually heard a remix of it on a TV show, and I'm like, oh, that's kind of catchy. <laughs> oh, that's cool. But uh, yeah, but it's really cool. If, if I want, I don't know. It's one of those ones that kind of almost gives you goosebumps you know if you sit in a quiet room and just put in some you know headphones and close your eyes and sure it that really puts me in a all right i'm gonna write some creepy shit mood there you go there you go so uh has uh has any music okay i know the answer to this but um have many songs directly influenced the story have you heard many stories and thought or many songs that i have to write that so pulling stories from songs, yes. Um, yeah. So our our scripted answer. We, why don't we just tackle this first? Because we both worked on the whiskey and wheel guns project. You have finished your section. I have talked about finishing mine for a good year, <laughs> and if I keep talking, I can probably get another year out of it before I actually have to do any more work. But yeah, my whiskey and wheel gun story. The f- the the theme, the flavor, and the feel of it was all the whole idea came about from an Avenged Sevenfold song Strength of the World it's the ninth song on their City of Evil album I believe and there's something about that song it's telling a story and when I would hear it there's just something about it that spoke of tragedy and revenge and that's 
essentially what my five lead slug story is about what is is tragedy revenge and uh ultimately redemption but i don't want to spoil it considering i haven't written the last three parts anyway i'd be spoiling it for myself but it's going to change by then right it you know it hasn't it hasn't a while. I'm, I'm pretty set on where it's going, but a lot of it is dictated by the song. The themes of that song, you know, I would listen to that over and over and over when I wrote the the first story. When I wrote the, uh, I think it's Casting Out the Devil, and it's that's the one that's up on Amazon. Um, but I had that song on loop when I wrote that one because that's when the the, the main tragedy for the main character occurs, and that song really captured that and. It inspired the story. It's art inspires my stories a lot. I don't know how often songs do outside of like you know that instance. And why don't you go ahead and uh, why don't you go ahead and give your example too? Yeah, no, it's uh, my possessed uh, part of the Whiskey and Will Vintage universe. Also, uh, also coincidentally enough, came from an Avenged Sevenfold song. This wasn't planned or anything. This was. Uh, I think I'd actually already finished my entire Possessed story, and I was like, hey, uh, I think I tweeted, hey, Possessed came from an Avenged Sevenfold song, and Chris was like, hey, me too. Yep. Um, yep. But yep. Um, I remember that. Mine came from uh, the song Gunslinger, and, you know, I, I'm not always the best with reading lyrics or something, but it was, it was like what you were talking about earlier, you know, it's one of those ones that you hear a million times, you never really pay attention, and, you know, it's, it's a story about, a, uh, you know, coming home to, you know, a woman that you love. And the more I listened to it, I started to think about it. I was like, wait a minute. I think she's dead. I think he's talking about coming home, and she's dead, and he's dying to be with her. And that changed everything mm-hmm. for me. And that was that was what inspired, you know, Possessed, is just trying to get home to be with someone that's gone. And yeah. I had a way more heartbreaking ending planned for it. And then I was, I was I was talking to Chris. You know, we were shooting back and forth emails. I was I was maybe halfway through the story, and Chris was just like, just an afterthought. He's like, "Hey, what if this happened?" And I was pissed at him because I was so proud of my original ending. And then this thing that he you should have gone with it. <laughs> this thing that he threw at me was so good that I didn't want to let it go. And and it uh, it really I, I think it probably made for a better story, you know, a story that I could feel good about, and uh, it definitely left some doors open, because you know, at one point, you know, the the lead character of my story and the lead character of Chris's story, they get to bump into each other, and yeah, that was really fun to write, really fun to do, so I kind of wanted that to happen, like, I wanted an excuse for that to be able to happen again. Yeah. Yeah. I remember, too, we were both so polite about that, you wrote up the you wrote up the encounter and you sent it to me and I could tell you didn't want to step on my character like so you had my character winning this fight and I remember emailing you back and saying there's no way he would do this good beat him up some more because <laughs> he's young he's just getting started and I mean the only thing he's good at is surviving and getting the crap kicked out of him and surviving so you need you need to be a little harder on him it was it was just kind of funny how we were uh both so polite about it. No, no, you you beat the crap out of my main character. Really, I insist. <laughs> no, no, you shoot my guy. It's okay. He can take a bullet. <laughs> right. 
I'll I'll punch you a couple times then. It's fine, but then you shoot me. I insist. <laughs> okay, but make it a flesh wound. All right, leg. We'll we'll work. We'll work with that. Yeah. So, <laughs> but uh yeah, like you. I mean, other than that, uh, I don't I don't know how often I've directly taken a story from a song. There's a there's one song by a band called the Pine Box Boys uh, that's a, kind of a, a macabre, bluegrass-type band. And they have a song called The Wedding Gown that tells a story of a guy uh, running away from this, uh, this you know, unknown assailant. And they finally, you know, have their big showdown. And it's uh, uh, his would-be sister-in-law in a wedding gown covered in blood. And he says, you know... Uh, I killed my brother on his wedding day. And that's it. That's the end of the song. That's all the story you get. And from the first time I heard that song, I've wanted to write a story about that. But uh, I've never actually gotten around to doing it. (laughs) Yeah, there are a couple lines in a couple songs that uh, every time I hear them, they make me think, hey, you know what? I should write something. But it's it's more based on a feeling, and so I I don't know if the songs themselves would spawn an entire story but I would put them into a playlist you know covering a scene in a story or or, or something like that and just flipping through here I actually have a couple playlists named for stories that I've written so I know sometimes I must you know I, I know I put together playlists just for a story I've actually got a couple a little deeper in here that are named after a few characters and I remember the unfinished novel that I had written, you know, was telling you earlier that I've gotten just kind of tucked away. I did have a few characters that when I was writing that character, I would flip to the flip to the playlist that I have for that character and just let it roll because the songs and the, and the tone of the songs would really help me switch from character to character and feel the one that I was writing about, which kind of a weird way to talk about it, but it works for me. Now, is that like writing from different perspectives? Like uh, writing one cha- one yeah. one chapter is one character, and then you know the next chapter is a different character. That is exactly what it is. It it was I had four main characters in this book, and it's a sword and sorcery fantasy, and it's terrible. <laughs> I mean, it, it needs a rewrite, but I've got it all there. But that's what I was doing. I was uh, just kind of skipping from character to character as the chapters went by and a couple of them met up so it wasn't you know a different perspective every chapter right. you know sometimes they they met up a couple of them met up and they were traveling together and so forth but but yeah there were definitely lead characters in the various scenes and I really should rewrite it because there's a lot there there's a lot of really good story there and I can tell it's a good story because if I start talking about it, I get very excited, and I write for me. So if I get excited, then I want to write it, That's and I like it. That's a good story. So there's a lot there, but that helped me to keep the characters feeling unique, you know? Just letting the music kind of, again, shift my mood, shift my perspective, and kind of put me in the mood. You know, if, if someone is more direct, more straightforward, more likely to to throw a punch than talk their playlist will reflect that and so when I'm writing it it kind of puts me in that mood and as I'm writing about their interactions with people that feeling and that way of interacting with people is going to be right there 
I switch to a different perspective, someone who is a little more laid back, a little more patient, a little more apt to work with people instead of ser- you know, searching for an immediate violent answer. So I have a playlist that's a little more laid back, a little more subdued, a little more patient. And it put again, it puts me in that mood, so I'm writing about their interactions, and that's right where my mind goes when they're confronted with problems or, or, or anything like that. So it just it kind of worked as a way to help me keep the characters separate and make each character's perspective feel like their perspective when I was writing it. That's honestly a really good idea because the, I don't know, I'd say second biggest reason I write almost everything in first person is because I'm afraid that if I do, you know, uh, different perspectives that I'll just sound like the same person using a different name. I, I definitely that's something that I'm concerned about a lot too and I mean we could probably do another another entire podcast just on characterization <clears throat> mark that down <laughs> um, but but yeah that's that's something that early on I felt like the characters were all becoming shades of me and that was one of the reasons that I started building playlists for them. That's also, coincidentally, one of the reasons that I say I need to... It's beyond editing. I need to rewrite them because a good portion of it early on, the characters didn't really have a unique voice. At least looking back, I don't think they did. And and later on, as I was writing the books, cause I've got like 180,000 words or so into this. And you know, later on... I felt like I really had brought them into their own, and part of the reason was, again, the the different playlists and just making some notes on them, etc. But, yeah, I mean, it's something that I was very concerned about. I still am concerned about, especially writing third person. Um, but, yeah, it's... I don't know that I'm necessarily awesome at it either, but... Man, 180,000 words. That's, that's so many words. I know. That's... It... Uh, for people who write full time, I think they just would laugh. But yeah, it's for someone who just writes as a hobby. I will not lie; it is a lot of words. That's why I have so much trouble. Like, it's been sitting in my vault for four years, and I haven't really touched it again. But I can't really bring myself to get rid of it because there's so much material there, even if it's written terribly. <laughs> It's just there's just a lot of good stuff there, a lot of good ideas there, a lot of good material there. That's the worst part about novels, I think, is that they're so big. You know, you put so much work and so much time into them, you don't want to let them go. But at the same time, yep. there's so much work required. You're like, that's that's where I'm at now. But I've been working on the same novel, Gambit, I call it, and I've been working on it for probably longer than I've ever worked on a novel. I uh, you can you can ask uh, John, Ed, Paul about how fast I normally write. <laughs> I know how fast you normally write. How, how long did it take you to do the uh, Burden 3? Oh, man. First draft of Burden 3, it's, uh, uh, we'll call it 52,000 words. It was probably yep. uh, uh, eight weeks, maybe. Okay. Maybe. So, so about half of the pace of the National Novel Writing Month. Because you're looking at, there you're looking at, Four weeks, fifty thousand words. Right, and it and that's it may have been yeah, faster because okay. I was 
me and uh, me and John had made a, a he was trying to write faster and I guess he wanted he was trying to catch me and said you know hey look, we came with Teddy we were gonna make a bet that you know who could write the fastest and the most and I know that that was right when I started writing Burden Three and I was trying to crush him. <laughs> I was just like, I, hey, it's it's good to be inspired, yeah, that's, right? That's what good friends are for. Is uh, to you know, it wasn't uh, like a you know, I wasn't gonna let him you know lag around because he John he he thinks about his words and his sentences way more than I do. Like that's you know, I'm just. I don't pound at the keyboard until it almost makes sense. He actually like analyzes and and writes some really poetic stuff, and he's a very talented writer. But yeah, we're we're gonna have to get him on here. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna have to stick up for himself, I think. But um, I I think so. Yeah, we, I'll I'll moderate. I'll, I'll mediate between you two. I'll I'll uh, I don't know. I'll be the ring girl while you guys come out and box. We uh we can throw some fairly talented insults at each other. He brings out the worst in me, I think. Yeah. Yes, that would be quite a treat. But uh, that that'll have to be like down the line. We'll have to get up to at least you know, maybe even ten standard listeners before I before we go that far into it. Man, I don't know. Don't set that bar out of reach already. <laughs> this is number one. We should probably uh, probably get ready to sign off here. Though I think so. I feel like this has been a very complete talk. Um, I want to thank everyone for listening, you know, uh, all all three of you out there. I hope you had a good time listening to us babble. Yep, thanks, Mom, for listening. <laughs> and uh, thanks for, you know, listening twice, probably. That's two of our two of our three listens right there. True, man. I'm, I'm going to have to find someone. Um, I'll, right. I don't... Hmm. Well, I'll, uh, I'll spend my off time trying to dig up our third listener. Okay. I'll and, I'll take um, a couple dollars downtown. And I'm sure I can I, I I can probably pay someone to listen at least once, just, you know. Uh, you know, set a spare tablet down on the corner and just walk away and maybe someone will hear it and find it moderately interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for doing this. Um I hate to ask how much how much of your water do you have left? I am I'm down to a drop. I've been You're down to yeah, a drop. I've been sipping away. All right, I've got 24 ounces of water left, and uh, it says here on the program we have to finish what we're drinking, so I'm about to slam this. (laughs) Man, that is making the most appetizing sound in my ears right now. (laughs) (laughs) My God, you're going to make me choke. Make me laugh, man. Uh, Down to eight. Try not to vomit while I finish. Damn it, Alex. <laughs> I'm sorry, man. It, it sounds like a gerbil just going to town on one of the little uh, water bottles with the metal, the little, you know, the ball in it. Like, I just... Interestingly enough, that's what I'm drinking it from. <laughs> no, I can't drink without... It's going to take me... Two, or this podcast is going to last another two hours of me drinking this. Anyway, let's just pretend I finished because I will as soon as we hang up. Okay, well, we'll pretend that it was whiskey and you just shot it down real quick. That's... I actually did just finish. Yeah, 24 ounces of whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, All right. Hopefully, 
have a good one. Hopefully everyone liked this, and uh, we will yep. be back next month talking about something different. Um, have a good night, everybody. Good night.